0: This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Kirsten, or our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and I'm joined by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brant. To start off this week's podcast, Cam, uh, you and one of our quant team members have been pulling together an end-of-quarter review. What are some of your key takeaways for the audience?
1: I would say the uh, flight to cash, the resilience of uh, emerging markets equity funds, uh, and for different reasons, the resilience of uh, U.S. bond funds despite the... uh, growing shadow of another debt ceiling standoff. The emerging markets equity fund one is interesting because uh, to a much lesser degree, uh, the flows depended on money going into China equity funds. Um, There was much more going to other groups uh, with the diversified GEM funds, the four but having said that, uh, the latest week uh, sort of reflects a shift back to the what we saw during the second half of last year. Uh, with uh, China equity funds <laughs> recording their uh, third largest inflow since we've been uh, tracking them, uh, taking in over $6 billion. There's
0: definitely been this rush back to cash and like you said, the two Cs, so China and cash. Um, money market funds pulled in over $50 billion for the seventh time in the past nine weeks. But uh, what aspects of China's rebounding economy are investors taking the most interest in And is this transferring or or benefiting any other regions too?
1: All good questions. The quick and dirty answer is that um, there seems to be particular interest in sectoral exposure this time around. And in fact, you know, you've commented on it in your analysis, but uh, for instance... Uh, China technology sector funds took in well over a billion dollars this past week. So there's less of sort of the general let's just get exposure to China reopening and a bit more let's get exposure to these bits of the reopening story. Um, you know, as listeners of this podcast will know, one of the things that I had been struck by coming into the latest week is how the enthusiasm for China has not this time around really translated into a, a rising tide lifting, the usual boats like commodity and energy producers. Um, but this week we saw a little bit more of that. Uh, Brazil equity funds had a, a particularly good week, um, and there was modest inflows to Canada uh, equity funds as well. Um, but in general, it it is sort of a, a different sort of cycle, <laughs> or a response to a cycle. Um, there is a sense uh, which I think is probably right that uh, this, ra- this sort of surge in Chinese growth, as much <laughs> as, as China's policymakers can, will be channeled into uh, what's good for China and, and much less sort of uh, reengaging with global trade. Um, the Chinese model is in transition and it's definitely more inward looking uh, than it has been. So
0: like you said last week, uh, one more quarter point rate hike has a high probability of happening. Uh, you noted the subdued flows in the data we track and economic data that wasn't bad enough to cause a pause and tightening. What are investors most fearful about in the expected outcomes of the Fed and ECB meetings being held next week?
1: Uh, well i think in both cases they are expecting at least uh, a quarter point hike from from those two major central banks um you know the the fear is that uh both of those bodies will sort of nudge uh, monetary tightening to the point where the chance of a soft landing evaporates and and the certainty of a uh, a nasty recession increases <laughs> to the point where it, it becomes reality but especially in the case of uh of the US uh i think there's still perhaps unwarranted optimism that after this hike uh if the numbers uh, seem firmly trending in the right direction uh the fed will have two subsequent uh, meetings before the sort of summer lull to uh hold or even reverse policy so there's less fear about you know how the fed's end game will play out than there is with the ECB. Uh, And we've definitely seen redemptions from uh, Europe equity funds start to accelerate, even though year-to-date performance is is pretty good. So fund investors seem to be cashing those gains rather than sort of chasing them higher. Uh, And, you know, Europe's story continues to uh, have... A number of headwinds uh, moving against it. Um, the Ukraine Russia war continues to rumble along. Given the debt dynamics there, you certainly the the, the banking systems are probably more vulnerable to. The kind of tightening that the ECB has been engaging in. Um, a and, and new wild card is a persistent drought that has been reinforced by a very dry spring, uh, and that has implications for transportation. You know, there was a period last August where the Rhine really couldn't uh, handle. Uh, anything but the smallest sort of transportation barges. French nuclear power plants were having to dial back capacity because they couldn't get sort of the, the proper supplies of cooling water. You know, agriculture depends pretty heavily on water, a lot of manufacturing processes do. So it looks like it could be a long, hot summer for European equity. Um, That said, (laughs) after years of of being yield-starved and indeed sort of, in some cases, paying European governments for the privilege of lending them your money, uh, investors seem pretty thrilled that European paper is starting to – provide meaningful returns. So uh, flows into Europe bond funds have held up uh, very nicely, uh, certainly over the past three or four months.
0: So maybe investor sentiment is dropping slightly for Europe equity, but not so much for bond funds just yet.
1: Yeah, just yet.
0: Or ever. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely saw um, some fear hit sector funds this week. Only four groups posted inflows and one of the, one of those groups had a had an over a billion dollar inflow, and that was technology sector funds. Um, energy sector funds suffered the biggest redemption, and that exceeded one billion as well. For tech, it was a big week on the earnings side with Microsoft, Meta Platforms, Amazon, and Alphabet showing mixed reports. Kim, what's your overall consensus on earnings season? Is it defying the expectations of companies showing signs of stress or, or what are you seeing?
1: Well, the bar was set pretty low. I mean, the earnings themselves have, <laughs> surprise, surprise, slightly exceeded expectations <laughs> on the whole, and the accompanying reports, which I think investors are paying more attention to this go around than might otherwise, might usually be the case, has been very mixed. Um, it it isn't an earnings season I think that provides you know great. Fuel for optimism those reports have been you know pretty candid about the issues ahead um, but they haven't been completely dire either um, like so much that we're seeing in terms of the usual information on on, on which investors base their decisions it can cut both ways uh, you can read uh, in aggregate the reports as you know somewhat class Half full, or or you can say it's half empty, and it's really pointing to a pretty rough second half of the year. So uh, I apologize for the slightly wishy-washy answer, but that's sort of what we I've been seeing as I plow through these.
0: Yeah, it's slightly wishy-washy earnings reports, I guess. Um, but <laughs> thank you so much, Cam, for your time again this week, and we will be sure to catch up next week.
1: We will. Thanks for listening to the
0: EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information, visit epfr.com or epfr.buzzsprout.com. Interested in joining Cam and Kirsten to talk fund flows and allocation data? Or have a suggestion for the topic of a future podcast? Email us directly at podcast at epfr.com.